Hello, this is Brian Bullington, and I am pastor of New Song Family Church in Ventuk, Namibia. I'm so glad that you have joined us today, and it's my prayer that this podcast message will help you to grow closer to Jesus as you walk daily with Him. Thank you for that testimony. I've loved the testimonies that uh, we've been hearing week by week. I hope it's been encouraging to you as well. I want us to pray this morning uh, as we keep worshiping. Um, Let's pray together. Uh, Lord Jesus, we thank you, God, for the privilege we have to come together, uh, Lord, to be together. Lord, we just uh, ask you, God, to continue to give us these opportunities where we can actually be together face-to-face. And, uh, Lord, we trust you, Father, for just your healing uh, in this nation, in this place, Father. Uh, And, Lord, your your resolution to the problem that uh, is continuing to be with us uh, for so many months now. We trust you, Father. We thank you for your active presence in our lives, Lord. We just praise you for that, that you living in us, Father, we have peace. So, Lord, we give you praise this morning. In your name I pray. Amen. I want to um, continue a series that we've been doing here about, uh, uh, you know, dealing with our fears and anxieties. That's uh, another sermon this morning on dealing with with uh, fears and anxieties, and uh, we're glad you're here with us this morning. One of our concerns in this series, uh, if you're online with us as well, is that we don't just uh, tell you to, to have peace uh, without giving you uh, a solution or, or steps towards peace. It's one thing to look at someone and say, be peaceful, have peace, and then leave it there. We do this. This is kind of how our society runs. Uh, I, I was uh, all of us have been raised uh, in, as children with teachers and others telling us to be strong, right? Uh, don't be afraid. Uh, fear not. You heard Franklin allude to that just a little bit. Sometimes those are not very helpful. Uh, have you ever been told, chin up? Chin up? Yeah. Be strong. Be fearless. Be strong. Be brave. Be fearless. Uh, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Have you heard that one before? Yeah, I'm not really sure exactly what that means other than you know, just make it yourself, you know, in your own strength, just go and you can be successful. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Get back on the horse. Have you heard that one? Yeah. That's implying that you've fallen off the horse. Now you just need to get back, you know, in the saddle. Uh, Don't be a scaredy cat. Uh, Have you heard that one? Yeah. Uh, A scaredy cat is someone who is uh, an unduly fearful person. So, that's what, uh, that's what um, Webster says. Don't be such a big baby. Have you heard that one before? Yeah. Don't be such a big, put on your big boy pants. Come on, let's grow up. Last year, as the world was dealing with the COVID crisis, uh, Avril Lavigne wrote a song called We Are Warriors. Uh, I don't know if you know this song. It was actually quite a popular song. You can look it up on YouTube. Um, but uh, anyway, the, I'm going to read you some of these lines here. Uh, and I, it's a great song, by the way, but not too helpful. We, we'll pick our battles because we know we're going to win the war. And then she, uh, someone, the back, background singers, you know, are saying, win the war. Uh, we're not rattled because we shattered all of this before. This before. Steadier than steel because we're ready with a shield and sword. How many of us have shields and swords? Back on the saddle. Because we've gathered all our strength for more. Strength for more. And we won't bow. We won't break. Oh, wow. We are such warriors, aren't we? No, we're not afraid to do whatever it takes. 
We'll never bow, we'll never break, because we are warriors. We'll fight for our lives like soldiers all through the night. Wow. We won't give up. We will survive. We are warriors. We were stronger than why we are. That's why we're alive. We will conquer time after time. We'll never falter. We will survive. We are warriors. Then she goes on to compare us to Vikings. Like Vikings, we'll be fighting through the day and night. I don't know if any one of us have ever been Vikings. I, I have not. Look, it's a great song. It's encouraging and just as motivating. And it's a great video. You should look it up on YouTube. Encouraged the workers at the hospital uh, who were working long hours. And uh, anyway, good song. But, but not really helpful, uh, you know, to, to really deal with our core of fear and anxiety that we deal with. And we, we do this. We say it to ourselves, too. We have these personal pep talks. Have you done this to yourself? You're scared to death and you talk to yourself, be strong. You're going to be okay. Have you ever done this? self-consoling. Jesus, through Scripture, and the writers of the New Testament um, are also uh, ones who have shared with us not to be afraid. Fear not. Don't let your hearts be troubled. But the gospel, praise the Lord, the gospel has a solution and steps towards peace. Our hope as you continue with us in this series, we have like we have one more Sunday of dealing with anxiety, by the way, uh, but that you will actually learn specific steps on how to deal with the fear. Um, look, if you can come away with a great, powerful, you know, a warrior song, great, that, there's nothing wrong with that. But, but true steps to real peace is what Jesus offers. The gospel offers us a plan not to let your hearts be troubled, and here's how. It's the how part that Christ does. And only Christ can give us the kind of perfect peace, the true peace, the real peace, that's different than anything we've experienced before. For today, we turn to John chapter 14. The very words of Jesus Christ. John chapter 14, and we're going to start at the very beginning, verse 1. This is what he says. Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I'll come and get you so that you will always be with me where I am. The journey to peace begins with faith. The journey to peace begins with faith in Christ. Not faith in faith, but faith in Christ and Christ alone. It's a real step. Step one, place your faith in Jesus Christ. Now, this, we think, you know, because we're reading it after the fact, we think this was understood by the disciples. The context of this, these words are Jesus sitting with his disciples before he was crucified. All right? Judas, you remember Judas? The one who betrayed Jesus Christ for a few coins, you remember? He was sitting at that table before Jesus said this. Judas has just gotten up and left the meal. Jesus knows he's headed to be crucified. And he looks at his disciples and he says, don't let your hearts be troubled. He's feeding them, saying, don't let your hearts be troubled. Verse 4, and you know the way to where I am going. All right. Jesus is trying to calm the tension and the confusion and fears that are sitting around this table as they're having a meal. Jesus, in a very loving way, is trying to help them understand that this is not the end. There's hope in Christ. There's peace only in God. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Listen, I'm preparing a house for you that, that you are going to be in eventually. 
That's, that's all he says. Trust in me. I'm, I'm preparing uh, rooms for you in the Father's house. If it wasn't so, I would have told you. And you know where I'm going. And, and this is the response. We realize that the disciples were not on the same page with Jesus. And you may identify with this. Look at the next verse here. What does he say? John 14, 4. And you know the, where, where I'm going. What does Thomas say? I love the New Living Translation here. It just puts it so blatantly. No, we don't, Lord. <laughs> we, we don't. Thomas said, we have no idea where you're going. So how can we know the way? I think he said it just like that. It, obviously in a different language. But... Strong, strong, saying, actually, we have no idea where you're going. Ah! Can't you just feel it in the room, the tension, the frustration? Often we're like that. Jesus says to us, don't be troubled. And we go, how? Can't you see what's happening in my life? We have no understanding of, of Jesus, where you're going. We have no understanding of the house we're going to live in ultimately. We know there's this house coming, right? But we're not there yet. We really can't wrap our heads around it. And most of us live in this state of confusion as to what's coming, and, and therefore, we have no peace. Philip, oh, sorry, Thomas, we have no idea where you're going, so how can we know? Jesus said the famous verse, John 14, 6, I am the way, say it with me if you like, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. He goes on to say, if you really know, if you had really known me, you would know who my father is. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. And, and then Philip, the other disciple, speaks up. What does Philip say? Philip says, Lord, show us the Father. Listen, okay, we're not gonna, I'm not gonna act like Thomas here. But Jesus, listen, if you really are who you say you are, uh, show us your dad. Yeah, we want to see your dad. That's really what he's saying here. Show us the Father and we'll be fine. We'll be satisfied. Just show us. You know, you keep talking about your dad, but we haven't seen him yet. Jesus replied, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father, so why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe because of the work we have seen, you have seen me do. The key here is belief, right? Faith, trust, trust. It goes on in verse 12. I tell you the truth. Anyone, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, and even greater works because I am going to the Father to be with the Father. You could ask for anything in my name, and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. But Thomas still did not believe. These are beautiful words of Christ, right? Just believe. You'll do the same works I'm doing, and even greater works. Just believe. We know for a fact that Thomas struggled with faith up until the point that until after Jesus Christ rose again. Thomas said, I will not believe until I touch the wounds in his hand and touch and, and see him myself. We see this in John 20. Uh, when, when other disciples were saying that Jesus had risen again, Thomas says this, uh, John 20. It says, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them and place my hand into the, into the wound in his side. Jesus then appeared, right? He said, put your finger here. Took his hands. 
and put his hands into his wounds in the side of his the side of Jesus and felt the wounds in his hands and then finally Thomas says my lord and my god finally clicked oh you really are the son of god and this is where we get this very very famous phrase John 20 verse 29 Jesus told him you believe because you've seen me blessed are those who believe without seeing me you remember the scene right and that's where we are we we get to be the blessed ones who actually believe without seeing that's our invitation poor tom thomas his name has been associated with complete doubt for history now his name has been vilified you know there are websites that are uh, for people named tom who, who try to make a case for that people named Tom and Thomas are actually good people? I mean, just think about our culture. Yeah. Uncle Tom, it's not a good thing, is it? Uncle Tom, uh, peeping Tom, that's not a good one. A Tomcat, not so bad. But doubting Thomas, I mean, his name is forever associated with doubt. And, and therefore, his, his peace was delayed. Tom's peace Thomas's peace was delayed because of his resistance to, to place faith in Christ. I don't want my name associated with doubt. Brian Fullery, doubting Brian. <laughs> Can you imagine your name connected with everything but good? Wow. It begins with faith. It really begins. Step one to peace is faith. Hebrews 11 says this, uh, verse 6. It's impossible to please God without what? Faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Phase one is faith. We see this, though, in the book of John already. We see this in John chapter 1. We see this. He says this about Christ's coming. Uh, John 1, verse 10 Speaking of Jesus, he came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. In verse 12, John 1, 12, this famous verse. This is something you should commit to memory. But to all who what? Who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or, or plan, but a birth that comes from God. Our journey towards peace begins with faith in Christ. Not faith in faith. Not just random, good, encouraging words or songs that motivate us to be strong and fear not and be warriors and take up your sword and your shield. All these incredible, encouraging words. And they're, they're not bad. But ultimately, the journey to peace is through the gospel, the good news of Christ. As we place our faith in Him, the gospel leads to peace. This is the good news of faith in Christ leads us to peace. And all of those who are followers of Christ, who wrote the, the, the Bible as we see it today, this is what they confirmed over and over again, that the step, phase one, faith in Christ, belief in Him. Look at Romans 10.10. 10. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. As the scripture tells us, verse 11 there, anyone who trusts in him will what? Never be what? Disgraced. 
Jew and Gentiles are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. Verse, verse 13. For everyone, right? Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be what? Saved. This is the, the massive witness of, of, the whole, of all of Scripture that those who place faith in Christ, in Christ alone. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, right? Faith in Christ. That is the journey towards life. That is the journey towards peace. Phase one, faith. I need to believe. I need to believe. What is your reputation connected to? What is your reputation? Are you known as somebody who actually has peace? Or are you known as a scaredy cat? <laughs> when you think of, when people think of you, what are you associated with? I've talked to uh, families uh, that tell me, so listen, you know, uh, anxiety is part of our DNA. <laughs> you know, worry is, is our family. That's what our, our family operates with worry. We are successful because we worry all the time. <laughs> anxiety is part of us. It's our culture. Wow, what a horrible culture. We're invited to peace. Faith leads to loving relationship with God. So as we place faith in Christ, then we begin to understand the love of God. We begin to love him. We begin to obey. So phase two and three is loving obedience, right? Once I place faith in him, then I begin to love him. And then I begin to obey him. John 14, verse 15. What does it say? This is just after Jesus says believe. If you believe in me, you'll do greater things, right? You'll do, you'll do the same, you'll, you'll do good works, and you'll do even greater things. Then he says, verse 15, if you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him. And he lives with you now and later will be in you. Jesus, in these verses helps us understand that phase two, once we place faith in him, then we enter into a relationship of loving obedience. And, and through that loving obedience to, to God the Father, we begin to experience the presence of God the Father. There's this love and obedience associated with close presence of the triune God. Are you with me? Is this making sense? It, it, it can be very complicated. But it's this idea that as, as we place faith in Christ, the next step in our journey is actually to love and obey him with all of our heart. And then we experience this incredible presence of God in our lives. Phase two, love and obedience associated with close presence of the triune God in our lives. He goes on to say, just to, to summarize this, I think, for us, to help us understand John 14, 18, verse 18. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. When I am raised to life again, and you will know that I am in the Father, and, and you are in me, and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who... Love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Our invitation after we believe is to move into this incredible relationship of loving God and obeying Him. 
and, and then being the recipients of his extraordinary love in our lives. This is the journey towards peace. Loving obedience, the presence of triune God living in us. That is the step to peace. Verse 24 of, of John says this. It's still on that slide. Anyone who doesn't love me will what? Will not obey me. And remember my words are not my own. What I'm telling you is from the Father who sent me. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. The, the, you actually can't actually obey God unless you love God. So we place our faith in Christ. Trust him. He's preparing a place for us, right? Trust. Faith. Then I start loving him. And then I start obeying him. And then I begin to experience his love in my life, his presence in my life. John 14, 23. Jesus replied, this is so cool. All who love me will do what I say. My father will love them and we will do what? Huh. Come and make our home with each of them. You see what Jesus has done in this discourse, sitting around the table with his disciples. He said, listen, don't let your hearts be troubled. I'm preparing a mansion for you. I'm preparing a house for you. If it wasn't true, I wouldn't tell you this, right? I'm making a house for you. But what is the key for now? Before you get to that house, trust me. So Jesus says, trust me. Place your faith in me. Love me, obey me, and we, we will come and live with you. I'm preparing a house for you. In the meantime, I'm coming to move in with you. I'm going to live with you now. That's planned for now, right? Now, there is this incredible plan for eternity, house prepared for us in the presence of God, right? But in the meantime, we're going to come and move in now. We keep reading. We're going to go back to this in a second. John 14, 24. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I'm telling you is from the Father who sent me. I'm telling you these things now while I am still with you. And when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. And John 14, verse 27 says this. I'm leaving you with what? A gift. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give you is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Don't be troubled or afraid because Christ gives us the peace. In the presence of, of us, living with us, we becoming his home. I hope you understand how mind-boggling that is. How extraordinary that is. Jesus moves in to us. We become his home. Housewarming gift. Peace. <laughs> have you ever moved in with someone? Have you ever lived with someone? It's typical. You bring something as a gift to say thank you for letting me live with you. Have you ever done that? Have you been? I've lived with several people in my life. And it was just understood when I came there, I would give them something. Jesus who moves in gives us Peace. That's his housewarming gift. The idea is that we would not 
let our hearts be troubled as we place faith in Christ because Christ is going to move in as we get to know him. He's going to take residence up in our home. I think possibly for a lot of us up till now, we, uh, we haven't experienced him as truly living in us. I think possibly maybe the reason why we don't have peace is because we are only visiting with people where Jesus lives. We may have contact with people that are the home of Jesus Christ. And therefore, when we're around those people, we experience that same kind of peace. But we don't experience it ourselves because Christ hasn't taken up residence in our hearts. We see this very often. That's why a lot of people like to go to church. Is they, they come to church and they feel this peace that they've never had before. Uh, we've seen it. I'm sure you've seen it if you're a believer and been in the church for a while. People will come. Visitors who don't know Jesus will come. And hopefully uh, they'll say about the church that, hey, this is a great. There's something wonderful and unique about this place. Uh, there was just a peace here that made no sense. Uh, we've often invited uh, students and teenagers to come to our house, people who don't know Jesus, and we do Bible study in our driveway or in our house. And very often they'll come, and people who don't know Jesus, they'll come be part of our Bible studies. And afterwards they'll say, you know, it's interesting, I, I like coming here because every time I come here I feel a, a peace it's a, and a certain joy that I don't have anywhere else. Uh, we had one student years ago who came to me and said, you know, I don't understand it, but every, I, every time I come here I'm depressed. But in just a few minutes after I'm here, all of a sudden my spirit is lifted and I have this unique peace and joy. What is that? <laughs> well, one student really asked me this. So what is that? What's going on here? Kind of bothered by it that he could, <laughs> that this unique phenomenon would happen when he came to our Bible study. And I said, listen, this is the Holy Spirit. You're experiencing living God here. Living God is associated with joy and peace. He gave his life to Christ. He said, okay, I want, this, I want this full time. I want it just when I visit. I think peace eludes us very often because we're not willing to enter in this faith relationship with him where Christ takes up residence in our, in our lives, in, our, in, our, in us, living within us. We miss it. Why do we like these incredible worship services? We feel this, you know, an anointing maybe that we don't experience day to day. I think possibly we've treated our lives and our, we've treated ourselves as maybe a, uh, a timeshare <laughs> where we have occasional guests where Jesus occasionally visits us or we're like a, an Airbnb. But, but actually, our design is not to be just a guest house or an occasional, you know, having Christ occasionally visit us. We are to be the, the home, the dwelling place of God. Like you, may not, you may not think you're worthy to be the, the host of God, but that's his plan. <laughs> when you place faith in him, he wants to come and live in you. Listen, and when somebody moves into your house, you probably, you've probably had people stay at your houses and you understand, it, it changes the dynamics of your home, right? Yeah. Uh, there, I, we have never had anyone live with us uh, that hasn't changed the dynamics of our house in some way. Y'all might not know this, but uh, our, our dear Sibylla over here, who's so capable, used to live with us. And uh, it was a blast. 
We, we had fun. Um, she, she became our family. How long did you live with us, Sibylla? Uh, I think a year and a half. Yeah, a year and a half. It was great. It was great. All of our technology in our house worked all the time. We, we, never, we never were stressed about any technology. Sibella, yes, she'd come and fix it, and it was done, yeah. We had amazing different types of food, too, we had never been introduced to because of Sibella. Our life was better because we had Sibella in our house. We've had other people live with us. Now, whenever we think about having someone move into our, to our home, Dan and I really pray about this. We really think through because we know that whoever moves in is going to change the dynamics of our house. Jesus saying, I'm coming to move in with you. <laughs> That's what he's saying here. You start relating to me, we're moving in. And God's point and purpose is not to be some silent person that lives in the flat in the back that you never talk to. Jesus comes in and he says, here, here's my gift of peace. The strong man moves in, the one we can count on. Almighty, powerful God moving in to you. The one who is greater than anyone or anything else. So big that Jesus says, if you're going to be afraid of anything, be afraid of God. That's how big he is. How strong he is. There's no one greater. That's who lives within you if you are a child of God. The God of justice the God of perfect love. You've never experienced things being more fair, more right in your home than when Jesus lives there. You've never experienced the kind of love, oh my goodness, the sweetness of your home, only improved by Jesus Christ. The strong man has moved in. No better security system, people. All-knowing, all seeing, <laughs> you know, we put security systems in our home. I would just let Jesus move in. All knowing, all seeing, impenetrable force. God, personal God living in us. There's no security system better. Jesus wants to indwell us. And I, and I think this is really a process of understanding this. I you know, when we, when we place faith in Christ, we become his child. Yes, 100%. But this process of him becoming resident, taking up resident, filling up every space of, your, of you, is, is, I think, a process. We're told in Scripture to, we're encouraged, be filled, be filled by the Spirit. On a regular basis, be filled by the Spirit of God. Uh, John 15, the, the chapter just after this, is a whole passage about about remaining in Christ. In other words, make sure that you abide with Christ. It's the same idea, abiding, dwelling, that, that we make sure that, that we keep Jesus close. It, it's the key to peace. It's the key to fruitfulness. Is that sweet intimacy of constant presence of God. And the idea is that he moves in. Home. You become his home. And this was, this was a, a, a life-changing kind of a concept. Up to that point... Uh, Jesus was seen to, uh, God was seen to only dwell in, in buildings, right? Up to that point, in the Holy of Holies. That's why it was so significant when Jesus Christ was crucified and the veil was torn, right? It separated from the top to the bottom. The veil was torn and now opened up access to God to everyone. 
God no longer dwelling in man-made dwellings, temples, tabernacles, but Christ dwelling within us. You can understand why the disciples were confused. This was a totally new concept. Christ indwelling in us. I want you to see in Ephesians 3, this is Paul talking about this process. This is what he says. He, this is a prayer. This is, he says, this is my prayer for you, Ephesians. I pray that from his glorious, unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And, and, and may you have the power to understand, as all of God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is his love is. May you experience the love of Christ. Though it is too great to fully understand, then you'll be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from him. Is Christ dwelling in you? We, we grow into understanding. This is the process of sanctification. This is a process of being filled on a regular basis by the Spirit of God. This process of abiding. All these incredible words we like to use in the church. <laughs> but, but that Christ living with us. That we would understand the significance of him living in us. In this presence. That, that's the secret. That's the key to peace. To be immersed in the love of God like we, we haven't before. It's what Franklin was alluding to earlier on. Is that perfect love cast out all fear. Why? When Jesus moves into your house, perfect love. Right? Jesus is perfect love. When he moves in, fear moves out. With me? Make sense? God moves in. Fear moves out. And don't say goodbye to fear. Just get it out of your house. <laughs> How do we do that? Invite Christ. Trust in Christ. Let Christ move in. Well, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in Jesus. As you place faith in him, you're going to just increase in his presence. His presence with you is going to increase. You're going to experience this peace that you've never had before. This is how it works. So God encourages us by telling, listen, I'm preparing a place for you. I got a place prepared for you after this life. In the meantime, trust in me. Increase in your love for me. Increase in your obedience. We, me, God the Father, the Spirit of God will come, make our, we'll, we'll come and we're going to move into you. Housewarming gift, peace. <laughs> Here's peace. It's a gift. Peace is a gift from God. I don't know where you are this morning, but I think probably for most of us, this is going to be a step of faith. For, for many of us, we, we, yes, we believe in Jesus Christ. We are a child of God, but we don't obey him. We don't love him. We have not increased our love for him. We don't make him Lord of our lives. If anything, he's an occasional person we talk to and have coffee with, a guest, someone, a stranger. But he's not someone living in us. And therefore, we don't have his peace. Because we choose not to align ourselves up. We choose for him not to be the chief in our house. True peace comes as we, we say, okay, everything, God. I'm going to love you. I'm going to obey you. Your words. 
I'm going to submit to your authority. We have got to move from, our, from us being an occasional guest house to home where Christ lives and dwells and leads and rules. That really is the secret to peace. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we give you praise, Father. Lord Jesus, we, we confess this morning, Father, we have treated you like a, uh, like a stranger, a guest, or someone we meet at a coffee shop, not someone who actually lives with us. Lord, we realize that's why we've missed peace for so long. Lord, forgive us for not understanding that your intention is to, to fill our house, to fill, our, to fill us with you. Lord, thank you for loving us with a love that is beyond our understanding. So, Lord, this morning we commit not to be like Thomas or Philip, to doubt you. Lord, we, we place our faith in you, Lord. We trust you because we know only in you is there peace. Oh, Lord, how we love you because you've loved us. It's in your name I pray. Amen. This is Rico Vecca, and I'm also a pastor at New Song Family Church. I want to thank you for listening to this message today, and it is my hope that you will join us again for another New Song Family Church podcast.